Hello everybody, and welcome to Stories from Azoria. My name is Alexis, and this is a podcast that is half Let's Play and half novel. This is the very first chapter of this, so a couple things I want to address up front. First of all, um, the first time I made this, I found that it was hard to distinguish between what part of the podcast was novel and which was Let's Play. So you will find that going forward, the novel is told from first person, it is told in voiceover, and whenever there is voiceover, there will be a piano theme in the background. Uh, that should make it a little bit easier to follow after the piano fades out. Uh, it is the Let's Play. And the whole idea behind the podcast is that as I play through Final Fantasy XIV, I develop my character's story into sort of a living, full-fledged uh, experience, I guess. So, without further ado, here is Chapter 1, Beginning. It starts here, floating in a field of stars. It begins with the bright star that surrounds me, with the voice that urges me to hear, feel, and think. It begins with the specter of death that looms so large it looks as if it owns eternity. I stare up at it, at its red mask that could set the world ablaze. And I am not afraid. Alright, here we go into the world of Final Fantasy. It's a now loading screen with a Moogle bouncing up and down. He has a little balloon that he's floating on, a giant messenger bag. He's super adorable. Um, there's a city with a lot of bridges and like a palace and it's super pretty and kind of a long loading screen. I hope whatever comes next is, uh, worth it. Here we go. Okay. There's a field of stars, kind of like some, uh, fog mixed in, sort of like stardust, I guess. Ooh. My character just appeared in the middle of the stardust. And she's just floating in this field of stars, drifting through space. Yeah. And fell on some water? It, like, rippled when she touched the ground, which is weird. Um, there's still stars yeah. everywhere. Yeah. A voice telling me to hear and feel, but 
uh, there's no one there. Now I'm looking at a sun. And I'm walking towards the sun. And it's very bright, much bigger than all the other stars. Whoa! The sun just turned into a black hole and there's this figure that looks a little bit like death. He's tall, wearing a black robe, and he has this red mask on his face. But he's not the one that's talking to me. Uh, and now that sun's like coming towards me and oh my gosh it just surrounded me with this like glowing light and it changed my clothes I guess okay oh and gave me a spell book da 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 um the death figure really didn't like that uh he like just magically thrust out his hand and this bolt of energy like shot through me and now this screen went dark and uh I think that's it for a time it feels as if I am plunging through the darkness of hell through evil itself here feel Think. Who was that voice? What was that voice? I don't know how long I fall, but I open my eyes to a guy standing over me. He is wearing all reds and blacks, a red knotted bandana covering his hair. His beard is blonde, full, but neatly trimmed. He looks grizzled. Uh, there's a black screen now and a dialogue box from question mark, question mark, question mark. So someone's talking to me and they're saying, Oi, you all right, lass? Um, I'm sitting in what appears to be a boat maybe um and there's this guy the guy who was just talking to me is named a grizzled passenger uh he's dressed all in red he looks a little bit like a pirate he has these like fanged earrings and like a um van dyke sort of mustache beard thing and uh this is what he says you were moaning in your sleep and sweating buckets besides. Rolling off the ship got your stomach churning, has it? Uh, now I'm looking up and he just sort of folded his arms. He says, hmm, it don't seem like sickness now that I look at you. It'll be the aether, I reckon. Some are more sensitive to the stuff than others see. And we ain't too far from Vilebrand now, which is chock full of etherites. I have no idea what Vilebrand is. Uh, he continues. No need to fret, though. You'll soon get used to it. Ooh. Listen to the ship tilt and sway. He says, Ugh. Might as well have been bloomin' seasickness. 
The ship's leaping around like a demented chocobo today. I reckon I might head out on deck, get myself a brush of fresh air. Limsa Lominsa is still a fair way off, in case you were wondering. Seeing as you're awake and all, how about you keep me company until we get there? I just realized that, like, not far above me is, um... I don't know what you call them. The, I guess, a wine rack? It's the things you keep in wine cellars that, like, you put bottles of wine faced horizontally with their uh, tips pointing outwards. <laughs> That's a description for you. <laughs> anyway, it turns, that, uh, it turns out that over in the corner of the ship, uh, the cabin, the ship's cabin, I guess, is where we're at. Looks like a fairly nice passenger cabin. Some, uh, quilted padded seats to sit on. Uh, but so, uh, this grizzled passenger has looked over at the two, uh, elves, I guess, sitting over in the corner. Uh, looks like maybe they're sleeping uh, they look sort of like passengers on a subway train that are doing their very best not to make uh, eye contact with each other or anyone else and is just like, leave me alone. I just want to get to where we're going. I don't want to talk to anyone. That's definitely the vibe they're giving off. Uh, the grizzled passenger looks at them and he says, them youngins don't much care for conversation, see? I wouldn't have pegged them as children, but I guess they're, I guess I could see that. He points at itself and says, any road, Brennan's the name and peddling's me trade. Uh, so that's the first scene. I'm now looking at a camera panning over the deck of the ship. It looks pretty big. Um, it has full sails, uh, looks like three masts, maybe four. It's a big ship. Um, Brennan's come out and he's stretching. I'm walking by him. Uh, my character I decided to play is a, uh, Hellsguard, which is like a super tall human. Uh, she has buff muscles and she's wearing like this... Uh, white and black leather, I guess, with like a red symbol uh, on her chest that looks a little bit like a bat, I guess. Um, I have no idea what the symbol means or anything like that. I'm also wearing kind of a nice golden necklace. Brennan, uh, who's the same guy as the grizzled passenger, we just met him. Uh, is looking at me and he's saying, Ah, smell the salty sea breeze. Now then, lass, judging by your unusual garments, I'd say you were one of them new adventurers. Am I warm? And I nod, so I guess the answer to that is yes. He says, I knew it. Going wherever the wind blows, seeking fortune and glory. Now that's what I call a living. So long as you can avoid dying, I mean. 
ain't no secret that adventuring's a risky business these days especially. What was it that first attracted you to adventuring? Uh, and I have some options here. I can choose to gain power, to win glory, to amass a fortune, or dot dot dot, which I assume is no response. Um, I've already decided uh, what the answer to this is because I'm playing a bit of a anti-hero uh, in the uh, role-playing community. You might think of this character as a special snowflake. Um, they're not gonna know anyone specifically like in the plot mostly because I haven't played this game and I don't know anyone to make them related to so like they're not gonna be friends of like a ruler or anything like that but uh I am specific I did some research and I am specifically moving them towards being a summoner and my headcanon for it is that like I believe most summoners end up making like packs with their summons and like being friends with them, but not my character. No, my character uses like magical chains to like summon creatures and imprison them and force them to do her bidding and is all sort of like evil like. Um, so she's always going to be. Uh working against the like villains of the game uh but in my mind she's sort of a villain in her own right uh, and i think it'll be interesting to try to plan out a story that like uh kind of combines those things together and plays one villain off another and also I'll have to find out reasons to justify why she's going around doing like fetch quests and things when uh, she's sort of evil uh, but so we're definitely going to uh, answer Brennan's question with to gain power that's why I became an adventurer Brighton looks at me and he says, power? As in, er, power to do good? Like, protecting the weak and fighting for what's right and all that? And all I can imagine is my character shrugging her shoulders and be like, oh, sure, you can think that. Brennan continues, ah, I thought that's what you meant. Well... Adventurers do get up to a lot of fighting, that's for sure. You'll never be short of a chance to polish your Warcraft in the adventuring business. Once we make port, you'd best sign yourself up at the Adventurers Guild. They'll set you on the right path, and it wouldn't hurt to join a guild, neither. Limp says home to a few, so if you fancy learning how to swing an axe or even sling a spell, you should think about seeking one out. Now... I'm not wearing any of the clothes that I was given in the Field of Stars. Uh, in the Field of Stars, I like my uh, black and white leathers that I just described were replaced by like these green robes. And I'm not wearing the green robes anymore. But I am still carrying the spellbook. 
Uh, which leaves me to wonder if my character had the spellbook beforehand, or, uh, I don't know, maybe it just appeared in her hands while in the field of stars, or, I don't know. Um, but I think I probably already know how to sling a spell. Uh, Brennan continues, Just remember, though, there are more important things than fortune and glory, such as breathing. Ain't no profit in being dead, and that's a fact. Yes, that is a true fact. Am I an adventurer? Why did I tell Brennan I was looking for power? Why did that feel so good to admit? Forget the voice and the field of stars. Just, who am I? But Brennan is right. I don't want to die. No matter what my future holds, I don't want it to be that. I turn to stare out over the ocean waves as Brennan continues to babble, nodding here and there to show I'm listening. But I'm not. I'm lost in the trail of froth the ship leaves behind, in the sound of wind and flapping sails. And that's when the explosion sounds in the distance, and a loud splash crashes up the starboard bow. Uh, there's some sailors running across the ship now. And Brennan's looking- Oh, wow! Whoa! Splash! Uh, I think we're being attacked by cannonballs? Definitely! Oh my gosh. There's three pirate ships coming towards us. And there's this soldier with green skin wearing this white tunic. And he says, Ships off the starboard bow! They're flying pirate colors! And he's running towards me. I think maybe we're going to get to do some ship-to-ship -ship combat. Brennan says, Pirates, bloody hells! And the sailor with the green stins running, and he says, Have you no sense? Get below! And he's pointing below decks. The sailor orders Brennan and I below decks. It's chaos. Other passengers running in every direction. Cannonballs slam into the water around us, getting closer and closer with each shot. Around us, the captain yells orders, something about trimming sails and coming about. Boat talk. I don't really understand. What I do understand is this. I am not going below decks. Instead, I grab Brennan and retreat to the ship's bridge. I'm not going to sit around and let the ship sink if I can help it. Moments later... Brennan and I find ourselves in the bridge, discussing the pirates and what to do with the captain of the ship. And Brennan says, What is the world coming to? Pirates firing on a ship, flying laments and colors. Bastards either have a boatload of balls or bugger all for brains. And the door flings open and that sailor comes back in and he says, You can rest easy, friends. We've made it out of cannon range, and no buccaneer's bark will catch this flighty temptress once the wind's in her sails. Wow. That's a mouthful. Also, um, does that mean I don't get to fight pirates? I'm, I think, legitimately disappointed that I'm not... 
Why, why don't I get to fight pirates? We just skipped that? What? I don't understand the point of that. Uh, anyways, Brennan says, That was too bleeding close. Glad one of us kept her head on her shoulders. I reckon I'd have lost mine otherwise. If them pirates gave up the chase, we must be close to port. Let's head up on deck and have a look, shall we? So, this is what's happened. I woke up, and uh, I was below decks, and then I followed Brennan up on deck, and then there was a pirate attack, and I got really excited that I was going to get to fight pirates, but then we just ran below decks again, and then all of a sudden the pirates were gone and I'm back above deck? Like... Uh, uh, really disappointed by this, you guys. <laughs> and so we escape the pirates unscathed and race towards port. I take a few deep breaths to calm myself and notice for the first time the feeling of power at the tips of my fingers. I look down at them and find that on each tip of my finger is tattooed an intricate geometric shape, and there are larger tattoos on each of my palms. On the left palm is a sort of pyramid with interlocking triangles. The other is a bunch of hexagons arranged in a way that reminds me of blooming flowers, and as my pulse slows, I watch an electric white glow fade from the tattoos. What is this? I look around to see if anyone has noticed, but in all the chaos of our escape, it looks like no one has. That, or it isn't significant enough for people to care. Do other people have glowing tattoos like this? A few minutes later, Brennan urges me to go back up on deck with him. Then he begins babbling on once again, but I don't care. I'm about to get my first sight of Limpsa Limosa. Anyways, Brennan says, By the by, is this your first trip to Limsa Lominsa? And yes, it is. Brennan, uh, I'm sure, is going to fill us in about what it is then. Uh, he looks at me and exclaims, It is your first time? Well then, let this journeyed itinerant tell you the ins and outs of your destination. Ahem. <laughs> Limsa Lominsa? prides itself on being Eorzea's foremost naval power. Weren't too long ago that the place was ruled by pirates, but thanks to the current admiral's civilizing influence, the city-state could almost pass for a respectable nation. You'd never guess she was once a rum-swillin' buccaneer herself. Ha <laughs> ha! Course, most folk ain't so quick to change. And with a town full of liberty-loving ruffians, you can imagine how many naysayers and troublemakers she's got to deal with, like them pirates who took a fancy to us just now. And if that weren't bad enough, I've heard the Sahagan are raiding the coast just as bold as you please. Them are the sea-dwelling beastmen the locals call fishbacks, in case you didn't know. I did not know that. Ah! Brennan looks over the bow and says, At long last! 
Land ho! He walks towards the edge of the bow, and now we're having a Titanic moment where we're at the very tip of the ship. Um, the wind is blowing the sails behind us, and it's even blowing his bandana a bit, which is nice to see that if there's wind, it's uh, consistent wind. Brennan's looking out towards the land that I cannot see yet, and he says, Behold, Limsa Lominsa, a nation blessed by the ocean's bounty and beloved of Limlayan, the goddess of navigation. And uh, now I'm looking out, and the camera's fading. And it's a black screen now. Ooh. On a windswept isle. Hey, we have a narrator. Of the, realm. the boat is coming Amidst into port now. Above the port is the city, and it's like this four-spired city made all of white marble. It's haven for very pretty. And um, it's very tall. And it looks like it's inhabited on multiple levels. There's bridges, like, connecting each level. And, whoa, there's this weird, like, floating crystal no, thing? And, like, a plaza? Drawn the gaze of the nation's patron deity, Lim Lane. I guess Limling's the nation's deity. That's interesting. What realm-shaking fate has she described in the churning waters of this mortal's future? I don't know. Is she making my own fate? Do I not even have free will in this game anymore? Um, it looks like all the passengers are disembarking from the ship now. Uh, I'm also disembarking. Um... And yeah, we're looking at the gate, which is like a big stone. Uh, it almost looks like it's a tunnel built into a mountain more than like a gate. It has like a red anchor above it, uh, but it's definitely like the entrance to the city. Uh, and oh my gosh, I am so tall. <laughs> That's not even funny how tall I am. I'll definitely post a picture of that on Twitter. Uh, Twitter or whatever website uh, I have going when this launches. Uh, Brennan looks up at me, though, and I do mean up. Uh, this is the first time I've gotten perspective on this. Uh, and he says, and here's where we part ways, lass. And I look at him uh and he says i'm off to the markets to deliver me wares and then it's on to the high road for me here i want you to have this by way of thanks for saving me arse earlier and it is arse not ass which is interesting um he handed me something and i took something but it was like an invisible something so like it was like um it was like when you're playing pretend or maybe like in a LARP when someone's like, look, I have a goblet for you, but 
it's being improvised and there's no real goblet, so you just pretend to have a goblet back and forth. That's what he handed me. I have no idea what it is, but like I took it and I put it in a pocket. So I guess I got something. Maybe we'll find out what it was. Uh, anyway, Brennan continues. Hey, you never did tell me your name, did you? Well, here's an idea. Become the sort of storied personage I can brag about having met. And I'll consider us square. Um, one, that seems like a lot of pressure. Two, I literally just told you that I'm an adventure for power. Uh, and not for anything else. Uh, Tilsi swallows all is quite an ominous statement. And this narrator's voice is very deep. Oh, the title sequence is coming up. Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, and you can see Limsa Lominsa and it spires in the background. It's very pretty, you guys. Um, I really like it. Finally, I leave Brennan behind and then here I am. Limsa Limosa. The city juts into the sea on a narrow sheet of rock and sand. Ships seem to be everywhere. Passenger ships, fishing boats, quick single passenger sized sailboats with sails that glow bright green with magic. Above me, a massive spire thrusts into the sky, some sort of palace or central building. But the thing that attracts my attention most as I walk into the large plaza is the crystal floating in the air. It's massive, taller than many houses. It glows with energy, and the blue crystalline facets are surrounded by gold support beams that seem to keep the power of the crystal contained. I can almost hear the crystal whispering to me in the back of my mind, urging me towards it, to touch it, to let its power flow into me, and... And what? And now I'm at a loading screen. Oh, and I'm walking into the plaza that has that giant floating crystal thing in it. Um, I can see the docks behind me. Uh, and the crystal has like smaller floating crystals floating around it. Uh, it looks like something you'd see in StarCraft, almost. Uh, like a pylon, almost. It's really pretty. Uh, it's like a pylon mixed with the generic Final Fantasy crystal, and I really like it. Um, there's a yellow jacket infantryman coming over to me now. And he says, hey, you there. Uh... The infantry man, he's wearing a yellow jacket, which I guess describes his name. Uh, he's green-skinned, just like that sailor that I was mentioned earlier. Uh, except this guy has a massive, like, two-handed battle axe on his back. Um, and it looks like he's maybe standing guard to, like, the inner city or something. Um, and he says, I, I mean you. This is my district, and I make it my business to know all the scum that washes up in it. 
He doesn't seem very happy. Uh, I look at him, and I guess I responded, although there is apparently no voice acting for the player, which is fine. I mean, I'm doing the voice acting for lots of people. By no voice acting, I mean there's no dialogue for the player. It just sort of, like, points the camera at them, and I guess we assume we say things, which is fine. That gives me more room for storytelling later, right? The infantryman says, Ah! You're an adventurer fresh off the boat, is it? Well then, that's a little bit different. Allow one of Limpsa Lominsa's finest to set you on the right path. Hop to it, lass. I haven't got all day. Uh... So, I guess I'm hopping to it? Um... Oh, it's gonna give me a tutorial. Uh, I'm gonna use a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, this is WASD. That's fine. No, I don't want to open the player's guide. Cool. Um... So... This... Yellow Jacket's name... I can see above his head is Rice Flow. That is a very interesting name. Uh, and he has a little exclamation point above his head, which definitely indicates a quest. Let's see what it is. Uh, the camera pans back in on him as I accept the quest. And he says, now then, I'm sure you're itching to explore. But adventurers are required to register their presence in the city. And without a bit of local knowledge, you're like to get your throat slit in some peace-stinking alley. So before you do anything else, get yourself over to the Drowning Wench and enroll with the Adventurers Guild. Uh, the camera pans through another like tunnel, which I assume leads into the inner city. Rice Flow says, It's not far. Just head straight down the street and speak with Grafar. He'll show you how to work that big moving platform we call the Crow's Lift, and that'll take you up to the pub. Um, I think that moving platform's like an elevator. Probably worked by ropes, though. Rice Flow says, Once you're there, look for a fellow by the name of Batteron. He's the proprietor of the wench. He might curse like an L-sodden sailor, but the man's got a soft spot for wide-eyed newcomers like yourself. He'll set you straight. Got all that? Good. Now run along, and may the navigator guide you on your journey. And the navigator is Limlane. Uh, we've already known that. Uh, so, uh, I'm running into the inner city, and I'm standing uh, in front of Grafar, the lift attendant. Uh, he's another yellow coat, yellow, yellow jacket, rather. And he's standing in front of, like, a metal grate that's definitely like the entrance to an elevator. With Rice Flow's admonition firm in my mind, I walk through the city gates and into Limpsa Limosa proper. Everything around me is large and grand, but bits of it have fallen into disrepair. I wonder what kind of past could lead a city of such art spiral into shambles. 
There are people everywhere, all pushing past each other intent on their business. In the distance, I can still hear the noise of the docks behind me, fishers calling out their wares, wooden cranes loading massive crates onto even bigger vessels. But ahead of me now, I can also hear the sound of a marketplace. People browse open-air shops that seem to sell anything I could ever want. It's incredible. All I want is to go over and start browsing wares. Then again, I have no money at all to my name. The only things I seem to have on me are the clothes I'm wearing, and the spellbook that appeared to me in that field of stars. Or was that even real? Maybe it was just some sort of dream. But if it wasn't real, what happened to my memory? I find the drowned wench a few streets down from the marketplace. I've made it, the Adventurer's Guild. For a few minutes, I stand outside the rickety wooden door. The building's windows are all dirty. They look like they haven't seen a cleaning in a decade or more. But I can hear people laughing and talking inside, and I can smell the delicious scent of bread and meat drifting into the street from the inn's chimney. Heating my growling stomach, I take a breath and open the door. It's time to find out what Limpsa Lominsa can offer me. All right. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed chapter one. Uh, definitely, uh, things are being a little bit slow to pick up. If this was a novel I was writing, there definitely would have been a fight with the pirates. Uh, still a little miffed about that. That's a scene that seems to make little to no sense to me. Basically, this whole chapter was a uh, tutorial. So hopefully, uh, next week we'll pick up a little bit. We'll get in some actual gameplay instead of just watching cutscenes the whole time. Like, this was a half hour of cutscenes, you guys. Um, but hopefully we'll get to play a little bit and continue on this journey that I have started that could last a very, very long time. This is an MMO, and they are sort of life-consuming. Uh, so a couple things before I leave. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say that the introduction music to the podcast is, uh, the old Da theme song. It is called A New Hope. And then the piano theme, uh, for my character is a song called To the Sun, and uh, it is also a song from Final Fantasy XIV. I'm not positive uh, where it's from. If I had to guess, I would say Grodania, but I'm not positive. So uh, that's fine. But I did want to give credit to both of those. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great week and tune in next time for chapter two, when we find out how the leader of the Adventurers Guild takes squid and turns it into gold.